0: Thanks, John. All right, excellent. Thank you. Thank you so very much. Just because I dress up for Charlie Brown for Halloween every year, does not mean that's my theme music. Actually, uh, my father-in-law lost his arm in the Vietnam War, and he has this. Uh, it's called phantom pain. He can actually, he actually like sometimes his arm will itch even though there is no arm there. Have you ever heard of that? Well. Actually, I figured out next year marks the 20th anniversary since I shaved my head. I've actually been alive uh, almost as long without hair as with hair now. And uh, I actually sometimes have dreams with phantom hair. (laughs) And I wake up in the morning and I'm shocked there's nothing there. But have you ever thought life is unfair? And that things just seem to happen to you that doesn't happen to anybody else? I mean, there's a lot of great first-world problems-type examples. We have a few from the Twitterverse. Let me show you. First one says this. I just had my praline spread confiscated at TSA Dallas. As far as I'm concerned, the terrorists have already won. (laughs) Such Such an injustice, right? Or this one. The Hilton doesn't even have almond milk in their breakfast buffet. Don't you hate it when that happens? Or how about this one? Seriously, no Wi-Fi? Okay, Carnival Cruise Lines, we are not on speaking terms. But I'm sure they still ate at the buffet, all right? Now, these are first world injustices. But I'm sure if you've lived long enough, you probably experience real world injustices as well. I, I know people that are part of our church family who've actually been in a time in their life where they had to live in their car, unable to find a place to be able to afford a place. I know others who have actually been railroaded by a corrupt court and thrown in jail, falsely accused and singled out because of the color of their skin, part of our church family. I know wealthy kids who grew up neglected and sexually molested. I knew parents who had everything going for them and tragically lost a child. I know people who've been treated unfairly at work and fired for unjust reasons. Having a chance to travel around the world, I've seen poverty in ways that I could not imagine. And to start off, I just need to acknowledge life is unfair. There is a great deal of injustice. But what I want us to do today is talk about a way to not just overcome our trials, but to reorient every trial and challenge and actually begin to see them as An opportunity to unleash our unfair advantage. That God can actually take some of the worst moments of our life and somehow bring such good from it that that can become the place of greatest influence. See, when we look at God's economy, everything is a a bit different. In the ways of the world, there may be no hope of success for some people, even for us, You may think there's no way that I can achieve what everybody else seems to be achieving. But there's a new economy. In this series we've been talking about, when Jesus came and walked among us, the creator of the universe came to live among us, he actually introduced a new invisible kingdom that is not bound by boundaries, by borders. It's not advanced through weapons of war, but through faith, love, and hope. And this invisible kingdom, this kingdom has already come and is coming and greater glory in the future. And so things in this upside down world are actually made right side up when we begin to see with eyes of faith. God can actually help us make sense of trials and tribulations. That's why Jesus can say some seemingly ridiculous statements to the unsuccessful to those who get treated worst in the world. Listen to these words from Matthew 5. This is from what's known as the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. See, Jesus reframes everything, acknowledging that life is unfair, but these trials and tribulations of life, they're actually opportunities for us to succeed in God's economy and in the life to come. Jesus turns this unfair world upside down, Now, what's fascinating about the Sermon on the Mount, if you do a little bit of research into history, it was actually these words, the Sermon on the Mount, that Gandhi took and applied in a social setting that led to the freedom of his people in India. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. took what Gandhi did based on the Sermon on the Mount, and that was the beginning of the Civil Rights Movement, turning things upside down. And actually, if you look at the scriptures, it's actually a story written by the losers. In in reality, history is often written by the winners, but the story of the scriptures is actually a story of those who are enslaved and exiled and persecuted because of their faith. And it can give us great hope, no matter what we might be facing. It can help us develop a faith that's bigger than our circumstances. But we have to acknowledge, all of us are different. All of us are born into different families, have different backgrounds, different ethnicities, different starting points, different trials and challenges, and different opportunities. And yet, in God's economy, all of us can succeed. In fact, what's so backwards is in this God's economy, those who seemingly have the greatest leg up actually are the ones that have the greatest challenge. See, Jesus acknowledges it's those that are the least and unfortunate, the oppressed, the downtrodden, the persecuted. That have the greatest opportunity. And what we have to realize is in the midst of this, our goal is not fame as the world would want, but faithfulness. It's not comparing ourselves to others. It's being faithful with what we've been given, both the challenges and the opportunities. There's a, an amazing couple that are part of Gateway in North Austin, Kate and David. And I wanted you to hear a little bit of their story. So let's watch.
1: I I
2: We just knew it was love at first sight. Before I got together with Kate I did not really understand what a soulmate was we both understand how to deal with the difficulties in our lives due to our disabilities.
1: I would say he is quite different for me I just be like being with him, especially on this couch.
2: My mother had a complicated delivery. The doctors did not think I would survive and make it out of hospital. I did not die in the hospital and ultimately as my life went on I was able to make my own decisions in my religious beliefs. I recently realized there is one God and he will love me no matter what. It gives me comfort knowing he is looking down, protecting, loving me the way he does.
1: The only thing I is in my life, but he would always be there. I always Trying to guide me. What of the major struggle I have is trying to get people to. I understand that just because I'm in a wheelchair this means that I'm not like everybody else.
2: We think God put us on this earth having a disability for a reason and in a strange way we are doing his work.
1: Yeah. you, have, and you, are, and you to, um, to do God it yeah, you know, it might not always be easy to find that, but you gotta think. Okay, I'm in the situation, but. How can what I know to do? God, work
0: aren't they inspiring? You watch that and you hear him describe how he knows that God has a plan for them, that God put them on planet Earth with disabilities and there's a purpose in that. And, and you might watch their story and even marvel at, at how they're able to do so much with their disabilities and, and maybe even feel sorry for them. And they would never tell you this, but I think they probably feel sorry for us, for what we're, Unwilling to do with our abilities. And if I'm honest, there are times in my life where I struggle to trust God because of what I see others going through. And then when you spend time with others going through so much and you see the faith that they have despite circumstances, it reminds me that God can be trusted. Each of us has our own challenges, each of us has our own opportunities. And it's how we go through these challenges. It's what we do with these opportunities that determines the kind of impact we will have in this life and the rewards to come in the next. Listen to this beautiful passage from Hebrews 12. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. Rather than looking at others and bemoaning what they're going through or looking at others and wishing you had what they had, instead we should keep our eyes on Jesus. And what's beautiful is when you know the story of Jesus, in this Christmas season, we're celebrating the fact that the creator of the universe came and lived among us. And you would think he could have come riding down on a white horse, but instead he was born in poverty, defenseless, completely dependent on his parents to take care of him. He emptied himself, the scriptures tell us, becoming a baby, and then he grows up and he can do miraculous things. And you think, well now everything's going to go well. Right? He he can heal the sick. And yet the religious leaders did not like it. Because suddenly people were going to him instead of coming to them. And so Jesus ultimately in the midst of being persecuted willingly gave his life. Tortured, betrayed, dying on a cross. But that's not the end of the story. He rose from the dead. He actually is alive. Jesus is alive. And what's so amazing about that is he is our pace setter. He is the one to whom we should keep our eyes focused on. So how is Jesus? I mean, think about this. Power, all this power to create the universe. He could have called down angels when he was being falsely accused of blasphemy. He could have ended things. He could have literally... Climbed off the cross at any moment he wanted to And demonstrated his power And yet he willingly went through this And this passage tells us why How is he able to endure so much on our behalf It says He was Looking at the joy set before him It was the joy before him that helped him endure So what is this joy? I believe the joy before him was the fact that you could know him, that his sacrifice would be worth it because we could be in his presence. The joy set before him. See, when you and I are in the midst of challenging moments, we need to look to Jesus. This is a marathon. This is not a sprint. He is our pace setter. And what's amazing is that in the Garden of Gethsemane, just before he goes to the cross, he prays, not my will, but yours be done, knowing what he was about to face. And that's the same sort of attitude we're to have, not my will, but yours be done. See, but the problem is when bad things start to happen to us or bad things start to happen to people we care for, we immediately switch into why. Why, God? Why would you let this happen? If you were so loving, why would this even be taking place? I found in my own life, I get into trouble when I ask the question, Why? Instead, we need to shift the question to how. How, God, can I make it through this? How, God, can I be faithful in light of how faithful you've been for me? Or even asking the question, what, God, what can I learn in the midst of this? See, what happens is when we have a misunderstanding of who God is, when we see God as angry and uncaring and unloving, then anything that happens to us is seen through that filter, and we see circumstances as examples of his uncaring nature but if we see him as he truly is as loving and good then we realize that even when we're in the midst of the most painful moments he is with us in that pain he endured pain on our behalf that these painful moments are actually opportunities for us to learn more of his goodness to demonstrate to others around us how real he is, to have a faith bigger than our circumstances. I want us to just spend a few moments looking at some of the unseen things that Jesus promises will be rewarded eternally. Now, one of the disciples, his name was John. He was Jesus' best friend. And we know that because he tells us in his book that he was Jesus' best friend. But later, not just in the Gospel of John, he tells the story of Jesus, but later he actually writes this book called The Revelation. See, what began to happen is after Jesus rose from the dead, he walked among the people. In fact, 500 people saw Jesus alive. And that's what transformed these Men who were running away in the midst of Jesus being arrested and betraying Jesus and denying they even know him. Once they saw him alive, it changed the trajectory of their life. Many of them going to the ends of the earth to tell people the Messiah has come and he's alive even though he was crucified for us. And then many of these disciples were persecuted for their faith, even being killed. Well, John was imprisoned because of his faith, and when he was on this island prison, he had a vision of Jesus. It's this amazing moment. In fact, some of you have had visions of Jesus. There are more people that, once they move to Austin, have started to have spiritual dreams or see images that they'd never seen before. Very similar to friends of mine who live in the Middle East or live in Indonesia who have said that many of their Muslim friends have had visions of Jesus. They had the opportunity to explain who that vision was about. Well, John has one of these visions, and he describes it in Revelation. He says this, I saw someone like a son of man dressed in a robe reaching down to his feet and with a golden sash around his chest. The hair on his head was, like, was white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. His face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. If you've read John Burke, our senior pastor's book, Imagine Heaven, it sounds a lot like those who've had these near death experiences. When in the midst of the book of Revelation, John writes messages from Jesus to the different churches that are facing different challenges. In Revelation 2, verse 2, he writes these words Jesus is saying, I know your deeds, I know your hard work and your perseverance. You have persevered and you have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. When no one notices your hard work, God sees you. When no one notices the hardships you're enduring, God notices And it does tell us in the scriptures that when we are faithful with the little things, even on this side of eternity, we are given more. In fact, many of us in this room have been given much because of our faithfulness with the little, because he knows that he can trust us to do much good with the much that we've been given. Others of us have overcome much, and in the unseen God has seen and actually has taken the most painful moments of our life and used us to bring healing to others who are facing similar painful moments. But in this particular passage and in the letter to these churches in Revelation, we see some of the eternal rewards, the tree of life. Well, what does that mean? I mean, in the story of the Garden of Eden, we were told not to eat of the tree of life. But see, in the other side of eternity, we have the opportunity to eat of the tree of life, which basically represents all the joy and the life and the peace that God has to offer. See, if you hear this, you might be thinking, well, you work so hard and God sees the unseen and you get to God's presence and you get to eat an apple? I don't even like fruit. (laughs) One time I was trying to lose weight on an all fruit and vegetable diet. And literally, I can't stand fruit and vegetables so much, I would rather go to bed hungry than eat another piece of fruit. So going to heaven to have an apple just doesn't sound that appealing. But then there's other verses that talk about the crowns you'll get. Well, that's even worse. I don't want a tiara. (laughs) But see, some of this is we don't fully understand what's actually being described here. We can experience the tree of life Joy, a thousand times, the greatest moment you've ever had on this side of eternity is just a glimpse of what we'll experience in the presence of God. And a crown in heaven is, it's more like this Olympic medal. Crowns are an analogy of of God's economy. Something better than all the Olympic medals, honorary titles, and and CEO uh, honors you might get on this side of eternity. Nothing can compare but I want you to think that one of the things that's honored that scriptures tell us, not only is it working hard and enduring and doing the right thing, even though others don't see it, but, but God also honors loving our enemies. That's really hard to talk about in a world that's so divided. Right? The church, those who follow Jesus, are actually called to love people the rest of the world doesn't like. Forget loving unlovable people. It's hard to love unlikable people. But in that same passage, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says these words. I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven, for he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Think of how countercultural that is loving people who persecute you being kind to people who are mean even unjust towards you i feel a, a great example of someone i've learned from in this is tasha morrison some of you know tasha she's been on staff at gateway in central austin since april of 2016 she recently had a step off staff because her nonprofit be the bridge has become an important voice in the midst of all that's happening in our broken messed up world and I remember specifically on a particular summer morning we were getting together and it happened to be the morning after Alton Sterling had been shot and I remember sitting together with her at the Starbucks right over here and crying with her as she described how hard this was for her and knowing that she has a, a, a brother younger brother who drives at night and his Licensed to carry a gun and just being so afraid of what might happen to him. And yet in the midst of that, she led us in a time of prayer in this very room. Days later, there was a shooting in Dallas. Police were shot. And she led us in this room to pray for the families of those who were treated unjustly and to pray for the police officers' families. She refused to choose sides in the midst of this. Choosing the way of Jesus helping us love our enemies. What's so remarkable about Tasha, in the midst of all this, she was honored as one of Ebony 100 most powerful people in America, most influential people in America. I wanna show you this list. You may have heard of some of the entertainers, Dave Chappelle, Jordan Peele, Dwayne Johnson, and there on the bottom left is our very own Tasha Morrison. And what's fascinating about this is she is not probably ever going to be famous or wealthy. She's funny, but maybe not as funny as these others. But the world is so intrigued as she teaches what Jesus taught about loving our enemies, being a peacemaker in a broken world. There's a picture of me and Katie and Tasha, this Vietnamese restaurant over here, saying farewell on our next adventure. But I wonder, if, are you willing to step into places where there is no peace and bring peace? There is not usually an award where you get to go to a black tie affair, a gala with Dave Chappelle. That doesn't normally happen. But God sees the good that we do and rewards us in ways that we could never imagine. Whatever you have to go through, Go through those moments with God at your side, and great is your reward. To the Christians in Smyrna, Jesus said this in Revelation 2, verse 9 I know your afflictions and your poverty, yet you are rich. I know about the slander. Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. Be faithful even to the point of death, and I will give you life as your victor's crown. If you feel oppressed, impoverished, like you can't seem to win because of those who slander you, attack you, keep pulling you down, He sees, he knows, he notices. Be faithful to him. He will be with you and will reward you. Jesus adds that not to be afraid about what you might suffer. No matter how bad it gets, we should never turn away from him because of this broken world. But keep our eyes on him who promises to reward us. Or here in Revelation 2.19 to the Christians in Theotira, Jesus said I know your love and faith your service and perseverance and that you are now doing more than you did at first to the one who is victorious and does my will to the end I will give authority over the nations I will also give that one the morning star think about this beautiful promise that if you endure if you're victorious and never give up those temptations that you say no to when no one else is noticing he notices And the scriptures tell us that you will have more responsibility in God's kingdom. When we love others who are difficult, when we persevere in a difficult marriage, when we love people at work that are difficult or take care of our elderly parents or try to raise our children in a broken and messed up world, God sees that. What we think is unnoticed, he notices. But there's this interesting Last little phrase. Not only does it say one of our rewards is authority in this new kingdom, but he says something strange. He says, I will give you the morning star. What could be this gift, this reward, the morning star? Ultimately, the greatest gift that God has to offer us is himself. The morning star, Jesus. Bright and shining. Alive after dying on our behalf. See, the beautiful thing is that you can have a relationship with God that is so real that you can feel his presence even now. Closer than a a brother. That God desires to to send you every day on little secret missions just between you and him. I want to encourage you. I want to just challenge you. Just try it. Over the next few weeks, just every day, God, just pray. God, would you just show me something you want me to do that's just between you and me? I've gone on some of these secret missions. I can't tell you about them because they're secret. (laughs) But I can tell you that God wants to reveal himself so close to you, you can experience his presence. And ultimately, when we are faithful, when we do not give up on our faith, we develop a faith bigger than our circumstances, and eventually we will be in His presence where all pain will be pushed away. A distant memory. He is with you in your pain now. Are you aware of how much God is for you? This season of Thanksgiving, thanks, being thankful is being grateful for what we have, and not mad about what we don't have. We've been given so much, and to much is given, much is expected. We shouldn't feel guilty for how blessed we are, but instead feel empathy, see ourselves as instruments of faith, love, and hope to a world that needs faith, love, and hope.